I'm sure most of you would have seen the news about Kevin. Um, those of you who don't know, Kevin's been in hospital. He had, had blood clots on his lungs and they found a number of spots that they uh, determined were cancer. He went in and had a biopsy done um, uh, during the week. The doctor wasn't quite happy with how that went, so they actually did an operation as well to take some more tissue. And all of those tests have come back negative. So there's no cancer, which is really, really good news um, regarding Kevin. He's, uh, we still need to keep praying for him, um, just that he just gets a bit more strength so that he can actually be released. Um, but that's fantastic news. I'm just so excited about that. He's, he's an amazing guy, just full of faith, um, always trusting God. And it's just, just such an exciting thing uh, uh, to see happen. So it's good news, really good news about him. We should thank God for that one. Why don't we just pray uh, right now. Father, we thank you for, for what you've done. We thank you that we can always turn to you and, and, and our faith is in you. We can trust in you. Lord, you're so good. Um, we thank you for what's happened with Kevin. We, we continue to pray your protection over him, your strength over him, your healing power over him. And, uh, and Lord, we just declare blessing over him. May he recover very quickly. May his strength rise and he'll be able to be released from that hospital bed very, very quickly. So we give you thanks, Jesus. We thank you that we're able to gather here today. Lord, we pray for those who um, are going to join us. Lord, we pray for those who will be watching off of the, um, off of the website later. And we just proclaim your blessing. We pray, we, we declare your peace over every single person during this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Hope you've got your notes or you've been able to download them or have a look at them. Um, You'll notice that there's some blank spaces on there. The reason for that is that um, that's a chance for you to fill out some things as we go along. So um, just another way that we can make it a little bit more interactive today. Um, I still find it very hard just preaching into a blue dot on my screen. Um, much prefer to be able to see your smiling faces, but this is what we've got. So we've just got to make the best of it. In, in 2001, Robin and I were at a, a friend's house and uh, we were just having dinner together. Um, uh, actually, a Scottish couple, Billy and Margie. Um, great, great young couple. And um, we had a great night with them. We were just about to leave and the phone rang. Uh, it was a mutual friend who rang with a message to say, quick, turn on the TV. And... Um, and so we, we turned it on and we just sat there in stunned silence as we watched the events of that night unfold as the World Trade Center was on fire after a jet airliner had, had been smashed into it. Um, it was Tuesday night, September the 11th, 2001. And we were in shock as most people were around the world. We went home, uh, Robin went to bed. I sat up all night just watching the events unfold. And I'm sure most of us can remember that time. It was just so surreal. 
Um, I guess for us in Australia, we were somewhat isolated from those events, but, but it brought fear to our shores in a very real way. People who were working in high-rise buildings uh, were concerned that the same thing could happen to them. Uh, people working in government departments or government facilities were on alert. Churches were being spoken of as being the next um, soft target. Those events changed the world forever. Um, it was a time where Robin and I actually, time of the year where we would normally have been in South Africa, um, ministering in a few churches and, and preparing for a conference that was there um, every year. But a friend of ours had gone through some major surgery, and so we had stayed behind to, to look after them. Um, on that Sunday morning, I, I received a phone call from the pastor uh, who was meant to actually preach that morning in, our, in, in the church that we were involved in, the church we were in leadership in. I was leading worship, and uh, we, at that time, were doing three meetings on a Sunday. And I suddenly got a phone call from him to say that he was sick and I was going to have to preach that day. And I had about an hour to prepare. So what do you do? What do you, what do you say to a congregation that's in shock and is fearful of what may happen? What do you say to a people whose thoughts and conversations all, all revolve around those events of that, of that week? How do you allay the fears of, of people when they were, they were just gripped by those circumstances and afraid that the same would happen here? And here we are 19 years later, 2020, and fear is once again ruling the airwaves. The world's in panic. It's fearful of the future. It's not a plane flying into a building, um, that's something you can see. This thing's invisible. You can't see it with the naked eye, and yet it's instilled more fear into people than probably a terrorist attack has. People feel helpless. They feel hopeless. They, you know, they've, businesses have closed. Uh, jobs have been lost. People feel robbed of hope and destiny and security. Churches have had to shut their doors and... Now, with the latest restrictions, most can't even have small gatherings in homes. Everyone's just locked away by themselves. Um, you feel like even the church has been paralysed and rendered useless. But I want to say that's not the case. We can still function in a very powerful way. We're not going into hibernation. Um, there's a lot that we, as people of God, can do. In First Chronicles 12, we read... Uh, about the list of men who had gathered around David to support him. And we see some of those tribes of Israel, Judah and Simeon and Levi and Benjamin and others. And in verse 32 of that chapter, it says, the men of Issachar who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. We live in an age and in a time in history right now where we need to discern the times like never before. Here's a whole group of people, a whole tribe who had the ability to, dis to discern the times and to know what to do in those times. They didn't go into panic mode. They didn't shut down. They didn't start sprouting conspiracy theories or give wild interpretations of some obscure scripture. They were discerning and they knew what to do. And that should be the church. That needs to be us. We need to be a people who can hear God, who can discern the times and to know what to do. Um, yes, we need to be, social, be social, socially responsible. We need to do the whole isolation thing, but we're not to be fearful. 
we're to portray a genuine faith and trust in God, to be a witness to those around us. Um, you know, there was a time when nations were fairly insulated and isolated from events that would happen in other nations, but that's not the case anymore. We, we live in a global society, and so what happens elsewhere ultimately ends up affecting us as well. And so what we see happening around the world now isn't just another news story. We, we can't just become blasé because it doesn't affect us. This thing is affecting us. It's sending shockwaves around the world. Many nations are, are realising their own vulnerability, and, and, and even here in Australia, you know, security's been stepped up, police patrols are out, armed forces are out. There's that sense of shock and unbelief and, and horror and even anger and rage. And suddenly people are just asking questions. What in the world is happening? You know, what's happening to our society? Has the world gone mad? Because sometimes it can feel like that. And even in the church, that idea has come. It's crept in amongst Christians to where even those who say they're believers are almost in panic. Feelings of despair and feelings of pessimism. What will happen now? Folk, we cannot become pessimistic. The events occurring around the world um, and the associated voice of despair, I think may well be the death rattle of man's system and of man's wisdom. It can be the death rattle of all of those superfluous religious stuff um, where all of that is getting shaken so that only that which is of God can stand. And I'm not pessimistic about that. I'm optimistic about that. The people who can discern the times and know what to do. Not a people who spread fear and doom and gloom. Not a people who get caught up with every little conspiracy theory and give pessimistic, judgmental prophecies of God judging the world. No, folk, we're to rise up and be a people who give hope. And that hope is in Jesus. Uh, Paul writes to Timothy in, in 1 Timothy 6, and he says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. And, and, and so that's so true for us. We need to be able to direct people to put their hope in God, in the, not, not in other things. And so for us, for, I think our, our statement, it, it shouldn't be, well, what has the world come to? Our statement should be, look who's coming to the world. Because there's an opportunity right now for people to see Jesus if we're brave enough to present him properly. The church needs to rise in this hour. We need to discern the times. We need to seize the day, seize the opportunity to preach the gospel. Um, we're going to be faced with all kinds of questions. And maybe some of you already have been. Um, questions like, well, why does God allow these kinds of things to happen? Well, I'll tell you, folks, God is not to blame. He created us with a free will. He loves us. And he's given us the authority to be and the mandate to be custodians of this planet. In other words, what happens on this planet is up to us. We can't blame God. And so we very much, we need to be like those men of Issachar, to know the times, to know what to do, and to not back down, and to bring hope. So what are we to do? What are we to do in these times? What are we to do in the middle of these circumstances? Well, we've looked over the last couple of, last little while, that we have to be a people who remain calm. 
stay calm, stay confident, stay stable. Um, we as a church have responsibility in this time. And I want to look at, at, at some of those things. There are four things that I want to give us today of, of what we can do, of the areas of responsibility that we have as believers and as a church. And so if you've got your notes, if you've got your Bible, we, we want to read out of Isaiah 61. And so I want to read just a few verses out of that this morning. So Isaiah 61 and, and from verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. I know that that's a, a, a portion of scripture that we've read from many, many times. We use it in our prayer meetings. Well, we've preached on it before. It's something that we're to hold on to. But, but if we understand the context of it, uh, it's quite important. Um, Isaiah's writing this at a time when Israel is brokenhearted. I mean, they don't have a king. They're in captivity. They're fearful. They're feeling hopeless. And Isaiah comes with a prophetic message to display the heart of God for that generation. But it's a timeless message. It's for this generation as well. He reveals the message of God as good news to the poor and the downtrodden, to the brokenhearted and the mournful. It's a message of freedom to those who have been imprisoned with difficulties. It's a, he reveals God's desire to, to turn lives that feel like they're on the ash heap of ruin and personal failure into lives that are filled with beauty. He wants to replace their mourning with laughter, their sorrow with gladness. He wants to turn their cries of despair into songs of praise. He wants to display his splendor in their lives. But that's a message of hope. That's a message that we should hold to. That's a message that we should carry to others. Um, Luke, in Luke 4, Jesus is in the synagogue and he takes the scroll of Isaiah and he unrolls it he, and he reads from this very passage. And he says, today is the fulfillment of these words. It's, he, he is the good news. I am the deliverer. I am the healer. I'm the comforter. I am your joy. I'm the one who can turn despair and, and sorrow into hope and to destiny. You know, the more dire and desperate the circumstance, the more valid this message becomes. And it's a message that hasn't changed. It was true back when Isaiah penned it and declared it. It was true when Jesus declared it. And it's still true today. Um, and so how do we as the church, when we're confined to our homes, um, how do we be effective? How do we still be ambassadors of the kingdom. Well, four things out of these scriptures that I believe that we can still do, even though we're kind of locked behind closed doors. So number one is that we're to proclaim Jesus, to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
Um, it may seem to some that God's disappeared. You know, where is the Lord of favor right now? Um, but it's not talking about favor in natural terms or by the measure of temporal blessings. It's speaking about the favor of God that's made available through Jesus for eternity. Um, I said the other day, you know, right now there's a lot of self-proclaimed prophets that are crawling out of the woodwork and who are just prophesying doom and gloom and this is the judgment of God and God's punishing nations and he's punishing people for their sin. Um, focus, just, it's just very bad theology. We're to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance. That day, it was a day, one day, a day of vengeance against sin, not against Jesus. It happened at the cross. It was a day of vengeance against sin. And, and we don't quite understand how it happened or how it could happen, but somehow God who is outside of time reaches into time and he takes every sin from the beginning of time to the end of human history and he pulls it together in, in, in one package and he places it upon Jesus, upon his body, and he pours out wrath, he pours out punishment upon that sin. Not upon Jesus, not against Jesus. He pours it out against sin, which was placed on Jesus' body. He's already judged and punished sin. So people who are running around now and saying, this is God's punishment and God's judgment, just don't understand the reality of the new covenant. And, 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 and so this message, this understanding, that this proclamation of favor is something that needs to be reinforced to Christians. We, people need to understand that sin has been dealt with. God has removed it from them. He's forgiven, he's forgiven it. He's forgotten it. It, it. It'll never be dragged back into remembrance. It's a message that believers need to hear, but it's a, it's a message that unbelievers need to hear as well, that God's not angry with him. He's not judging them. He loves them. And Jesus came for the whole world. God so loved the whole world. Second uh, Corinthians 5 says that, that he was reconciling the whole world to himself, not counting men's sin against them. That's the, that's the good news of the gospel. I'm sure um, most of you have probably heard that analogy um, that there's a God-shaped hole in everyone that can only be filled by God. You know, it's only as people turn to Jesus um, will that emptiness, that void be filled? And that is true. Um, people don't realize that, that the emptiness they feel is actually an emptiness that is devoid of God. It's a, it's a whole, that's that inner thing that's devoid of God. But you know, that's only half the truth because God is completely self-sufficient. In fact, he holds everything together by his power. He doesn't need anything at all. He des he yet he desires us. And so in a very real sense, just as there's a, a God-shaped hole in man that can only be filled by God, um, th there's a man-shaped hole in God that only intimate fellowship with his creation can fill. As I, remember, God doesn't need anything, but he desires us. He desires to have people come to him and to find him and to enjoy him. But they won't do it if they're afraid of God. If all they get given is a, is a bad news story, we need to be preaching the good news of the gospel. That's our message, to preach good news to the poor. 
And that's not restricted to those who are financially poor. It's talking about those who are spiritually poor. And anyone who doesn't have Jesus is spiritually poor. We're to evangelize the world. We're to go to every nation, to every people group, because God's desire is that none should perish. How are they going to know of a hope? How are they going to know of the peace and the joy? How are they going to know of a savior? How are they going to know the plan of salvation? Unless we, the church, tell them. The men of Issachar knew the times and they knew what to do. And we have been born for a time such as this. We've been born into this age, into this era. God knew what was going to happen. And I don't believe we can just live life as normal. The hour is too close. The time is too urgent. Uh, it's time to actually be brave, stand up and declare the good news of the gospel. Um, Jesus said this in, in John 4. He says, do not say four months more and then the harvest. Because I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. And right now, people across Australia and across the world are asking questions about their eternal future. We've been chosen to show people why the world is like it is and to show them their, their need for a saviour. That amidst the turmoil and the strife and the fear that we as a people can be seen at peace and at joy. And if people see that, then they're going to want that. They're going to want that kind of faith. And, uh, and so we're called to be ready with the answers for the questions that they will ask. We're not isolated. We're not just locked in our homes. We're not in a position of hibernation. We are perhaps connected with family and friends and work colleagues more than ever. Um, and there's a great opportunity, I believe, that in this crisis, we can share the good news about Jesus and give them hope and we might in our Wednesday nights over the next few weeks just look at some practical ways that we can share the good news we are to be the light of the world Isaiah 60 says arise shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises on you and the next verse is very interesting right at this time it says see darkness covers the earth thick darkness is over the people but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. And so we have a great opportunity to actually be the light right now, to share Jesus in a meaningful way and give people hope. And we can do that even behind closed doors. The second thing um, out of this Isaiah 61 scriptures is that we had to bind up the brokenhearted to comfort those who mourn to help people through their hurt and through their fear and through their worry and anxiety. Um, now, fear is such a terrible thing. It paralyzes people. The fear of sickness, the fear of death, the fear of ruin. Uh, the world often looks for security, but it looks for it in false places. It looks for false comfort. They look, they, they, they look for security in, in money or in in their investments or in their property or in governments or in, or in the military might of certain nations or they look, through it, look for it in, 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 in technology and in the advances of man or in false religions and false gurus and false techniques. And I think right now all of that is being stripped away. 
Uh, Zechariah 10.2. I think on the note that had verse 22, but I think that was just a typo. It's verse 2. Zechariah 10 verse 2 says, Their idols speak deceit, diviners see visions that lie, they tell dreams that are false, they give comfort in vain. Um, David writes in, in the Psalms, he says, Their idols, they have eyes but they can't see, they have ears but can't hear, they have mouths but they can't speak. And that's true. People look to certain things hoping that they will give them help, but they, but they just give them false hope. Our hope is in God. Uh, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1, and he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. That's why it's so important for us to keep our eyes on Jesus, to stay calm, to stay confident, to stay encouraged in the word and in the promises of God. Because if we don't, we'll lose our, our confidence. We'll lose our peace. And if we lose our confidence and we lose our peace, we have nothing to comfort others with. Our confidence comes from God. He's our only comfort. He is our only security. Uh, but he's placed us, the church, in the world to be the conduit, to be the vessels of that comfort to others, to share and impart the love and the mercy of God to other people. You might say, well, doesn't that, doesn't that require some special ability? Doesn't that require some special anointing? Uh, you might feel that you don't carry an anointing to comfort others and to bring security. But I want to tell you this morning, remind you again, the Bible says we do. Uh, the anointing is not a feeling. It's not a feeling of invincibility. Um, no, we stand in faith on the truth of the word of God. We are new creations. We're anointed for a task. We're set apart and consecra consecrated by the Holy Spirit. The spirit of the so sovereign Lord is upon me. That You can say that about yourself. We have been anointed. You have an anointing and you can bring hope. You can bring life to bind up the brokenhearted, to comfort those who mourn. So how can we, how can we personally help and comfort? How can we uh, relieve the anxiety and the worry and the fears that people have um, right now? Well, part of that is to give people an answer to the concerns that they have. Um, to give them hope, and that hope is Jesus. To comfort them, to ease, to console, to, to breathe confidence into them in times of trouble, to wrap healing arms around them. Um, you know, there was a time way back when we used to sing a song, uh, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Uh, above him there's no other, Jesus is the way. And that's true 2,000 years ago. Like it's true today. Um, sometimes we might get embarrassed and unsure to tell people about that, but he is the only answer. And we're to comfort them. We're to bind up the brokenhearted. We're to provide for those who grieve. Um, and I think we can do that in very practical ways, even right now where if you've, got, if you've got an elderly person in your street, someone that you know who is struggling to get out, 
um, and, and buy groceries. There's a wonderful opportunity to actually provide for those who are grieving, provide for those who are feeling hopeless and, and fearful right now. We can provide hope. We can provide practical help. We can prov provide comfort and direction and, 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 and help and, and practical guidance and wisdom to those who are desperate right now. So preach good news to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted, bring comfort to them. Thirdly, we are to bring freedom to the captives. Uh, proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness to the prisoners. Um, you know, the world needs to know that God wants to deliver it from oppression. Deliverance is more than just fire protection against hell. It's freedom from fear, freedom from doubt, freedom from condemnation. And right now people feel captive. They feel like prisoners. They're, they're prisoners of fear. They're prisoners in their own homes. They're prisoners of circumstances that they can't control. Um, it's a wonderful story in Acts chapter 12 where Peter has been arrested. He's been imprisoned um, and an angel comes and and leads him out of the prison right past the guards it's like peter becomes invisible and he's able to walk the door just comes open his chains come off he's able to walk right through the prison guards into freedom and i believe some, one of the things that we can be doing is 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 praying for the holy spirit to come even with angelic visitation and bring miraculous supernatural liberty to people, to, to break fear off of them. We're to proclaim freedom. And that, that involves a telling forth, a declaration of, of the freedom that we have in Jesus. But it also involves us praying for others, um, preaching the gospel of grace, speaking and prophesying into the spirit realm, so that we can see change in the natural realm. Praying for spiritual blindness to be lifted off of people's eyes so that they can see Jesus as the answer. Um, we're to pray for that very thing. There, there are some things that we can pray into, I believe. We can, we can pray for people's spiritual eyes to be opened. You know, we're God's ambassadors. We're his agents on the earth today. We're agents of reconciliation. And, 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 and Paul writes, he says, he says, the God of this world, the devil, has blinded people to the truth about Jesus. I believe that that can be reversed through prayer. Paul says in Ephesians 6, it says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Um, whether you realize it or not, there is so much of what happens in this world today has a spiritual force behind it. Um, the devil, devil doesn't have the power to create anything. You know, he didn't create this virus. He, he, he isn't the one who, caused, who, 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 who created this thing and has put it on people. But I tell you what he does do is he capitalizes on what does happen around the world. And, um, and there are spiritual forces at work. There are principalities and powers that take control. There are demonic forces that plan and scheme to destroy and kill people. 
they will use every opportunity they have to stop people from hearing the gospel and receiving Jesus. And that's something we can pray into, that spiritually blind eyes get opened and people can see, see what's really happening, but see what the solution is. See who the answer is, and that's Jesus. We can pray for miraculous healing breakthroughs. Um, <clears throat> you know, the world in, in, in many senses, and I'm not talking about just this particular thing here, but, but the world in many senses is it, it reaps its own it reaps the fruit of its own rebellion against God. God's not doing this. God isn't putting it on people. Um, we, we, we know that ultimately what's going on in the world is a result of what man has done. But that's never an excuse for us to uh, abdicate our responsibility as Christians and as a church not to pray in the situations. You can't just say, oh, well, that's their own fault. No, we, we, we are called in commission to pray into different things, different issues, different difficult circumstances and the things that afflict people. Uh, we, we should pray for the doctors and the nurses and the, and the researchers. We should pray for protection over frontline workers. We should pray um, for peace to come, peace to come into nations, peace to come into people's hearts at a time when they are so fearful. We're to pray for governments and, and for those who are in authority. Paul says that. He writes in, in um, 1 Timothy 2, I think it is, and he says, I urge you that you pray that prayers and requests and intercession and thanksgiving is made for everyone, um, especially for kings and for those in authority. Um, I mean, think about it. Who, who would want to be the prime minister right now? We need to pray for him. We need to pray for those government ministers. Whatever your political persuasion is, whether you think they're doing a good job or not, we need to be praying for them. Uh, they're in a very, very difficult situation. They're having to make very, very tough decisions. And um, you know, even though we can't gather together physically, man, there's a lot we can do behind closed doors. We can be praying for them, heartfelt prayers and interceding for them. We can pray for, for victims. We can pray for the families who have been devastated by this sickness and disease, those who have lost jobs and, and who just feel like they're in a hopeless situation. Man, prayer is such a powerful thing for us to be involved in right now. It's a spiritual weapon that we can use to see change come. Um, and finally, just, just number four, is that we can... We can release supernatural life to people. Um, those last few verses says we can bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. We can release the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Um, some of those things we're perhaps not quite sure what do they mean. What's a crown of beauty instead of ashes? Well, in the Old Testament, um, ashes was a common term that depicted sorrow or despair or grief. Um, when people, uh, when a nation was going through a difficult time, people would sit um, in in the ashes of a of a burnt fire and they would pray for the nations. When when people came to God in repentance, they would take ash from a fire and they would 
pour it over the head or pour it over their clothes as a symbol of their grief of, of, of sinning against God. And right now, people can feel as though they're covered in ash, covered in grief, covered in pain. But the greater truth that's available to them and what we should keep walking in is that Jesus sets us free. Jesus set us free. He brings hope. He exchanges our grief for, for joy. Instead of our head being covered with ash, it's dirty and dusty and we smell of smoke, our head is crowned with his beauty, with his life and with his freedom. But there's beauty and, great, uh, and greatness behind every mark of darkness. The ashes can fall away. They don't stay forever. But his greatness and his glory shines forever. He conquered death. He lives forever. He reigns in glory. And we have victory in him. He places a crown of beauty upon us instead of ash. That's, that's the good news of, about knowing Jesus. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. Um, oil was a very significant com commodity in, in, in Bible times. Uh, it was used to anoint the heads of the priests. It was used to anoint the utensils of the temple. Uh, it signified that things had been set apart and made holy. It was used uh, in healing. It was used in soothing. It was used for protection. Um, it was poured over people during times of celebration. If, if you had a party in those days, as you entered the people's house, houses, they didn't just wash your feet. They would actually pour oil on you as, a, as, as something that signified happiness. They wanted to release joy. Um, so when we come to the New Testament, we see that oil most often signifies the Holy Spirit. And one of the attributes that the Holy Spirit carries is joy. Um, Jesus says when, when he's talking in John 16 about the, the Holy Spirit coming and being released upon us, he says, he says the Holy Spirit is going to take from what is mine and he's going to make it experientially known to you. In other words, he's going to impart it to you. Uh, Galatians says that, the, that um, the fruit of the Spirit is joy. Acts 13 says the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Jesus was happy. He was joyful all the time. Uh, Romans 14, 17 says the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so when we talk about the oil of joy, it's the Holy Spirit releasing his presence and releasing his person on us. It's him reminding us of the real reason that we can celebrate and be joyful. The joy of the Lord is our strength. That's God's joy being released over you. And God is joyful because of you. He delights in you and I. It means he will take away the reason for mourning and he will provide us with the oil of gladness and of joy. He will turn our situation around. And that's our message to others. Uh, Isaiah 61 and verse 7 says this, Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. And so they will inherit a double portion in their land and everlasting joy will be theirs. Verse 10 goes on to say, I will delight greatly in the Lord. 
My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Ash represents grief. It represents sorrow and sadness. Mourning is what follows, that feeling of pain um, at loss. Um, and we can see that we can see the picture. You know, here's a man or a woman. They're covered in ash from head to foot. They're grieving. They're feeling hopeless. Their clothes are covered with the smell of of, of the dirt and of, of the fire of smoke. Jesus comes along, and he just cleans off the ash. He puts a crown on our head. He gives us fresh new clothes. He gives us hope and destiny and honor. He gives us his righteousness and he gives us joy. And that's what we have to offer others. That's the good news of the kingdom. Folks. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. You know, despair is a spirit. And the only way you can deal with that spirit is you're going to come with an opposite spirit. And we've been given a garment of praise, which is a spiritual garment that's been placed on us. Psalm 32 and verse 6, I read this just from the Passion Translation. Uh, and it says this, When sudden storms of life overwhelm you, you will be kept safe. Lord, you are my secret hiding place, protecting me from these troubles, surrounding me with songs of gladness. Your joyous shouts of rescue release my breakthrough. The, the NIV says it talks about it as being songs of deliverance. We are surrounded with songs of deliverance. Um, one of my favorite portions of scripture is Zephaniah 3 uh, from verse 14 to 17. And it talks about God rejoicing over us and singing songs of joy over us. But we can sing songs of deliverance over one another. We can sing it over the world at this time. You can sing it over your friends. That every time we worship, there's, there's something happens in the atmosphere around us. Um, you know, I said before that, that, that the devil wants to capitalize on this situation. Uh, but every plan he has to try and do that can be nullified as we keep a heart of worship, as we vocalize our gratitude to God in expectation of his goodness being released over us. We can sing those same songs over one another. And so, folk, we're, we're not a church that's in hibernation mode. We're not in lockdown mode. Yeah, we might be sitting behind our closed doors right now, but there's so much that we can do. We can preach the good news of the kingdom. We can, we, we've been anointed to do that. We can, we can comfort those in mourn. We can bind up the brokenhearted. We can, we can release supernatural joy and freedom and life over people from behind our closed doors as we just go before God and pray, as we worship, as we, as we give him thanks in the midst of difficult situations. When storms overwhelm us, we can rejoice and sing deliverance over others. And so I want to encourage you with those things. Um, there's a lot we can do. There's a lot we can be involved in, in releasing life to people. So bless you with that. Um, I just want to pray for us all and, uh, and just let, let's just thank God. Father, we thank you for your word. 
We thank you that it contains life. We thank you, Jesus, that we can rely upon it. We thank you we can rest in you. We can trust in your promises. We can take a hold of your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you take it and you make it alive to us. We, we thank you, God, that we can share it with others. Holy Spirit, we, we pray that you would just embolden us and empower us to, to not shrink back. But at this time when people are fearful and, and when they're so full of questions, that you would help us to be able to share the good news, that you would help us to be able to, to share the news about Jesus and to give the answers that, that people are searching for. We thank you that you have anointed us in the same way that you anointed Jesus. It's the same Holy Spirit that comes upon us that anoints us. We thank you that that anointing is real, it's not counterfeit, and it's an anointing that stays with us. It remains upon us. And so, Father, would you help us, encourage us, strengthen us, let us walk in that anointing every single day. And let us release it upon other people, especially during this time. We pray for every person in Freedom Life. We, we pray your strength over them. We pray your blessing over them. We pray for those who have been, who have been ill, unwell, those who have been battling with colds or flu and then, of course, fearful that it's going to turn into something more. We pray for those. We pray for Kevin, Lord God, that you would continue to strengthen him. Uh, we pray peace upon every single person and freedom life upon family, friends, those that we work with. We pray for a release of the goodness of God upon them. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Uh, wonderful to see you all. And um, thanks for joining us all. Great, great to see you. Uh, we will gather again on Wednesday night, 7.30. And I think I'll get Luke to just open the mics. People can say hi to each other. Anyone wants to make a comment, um, maybe there's something you want us to pray for, please let us know. Yeah, if, you, if you're happy to, do that right now. Um, otherwise, just put it up on the prayer and praise page um, or send me a message and, and we'll make sure that we're praying for you. If you need anything, please let us know. Um, Please let us know. We want to help as many people as we can during this time. Great, Luke. Thank you.